Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Turn your Bibles to the book of Mark. The book of Mark is where we'll be. The book of Mark. It's been an eventful summer so far. We've had, it seems like, a dozen different camps and VBS and retreats, and there's still more to come. This week is the Children's Day Camp. The week after that is a couples retreat, the week after that is basketball camp, and it seems like right into school again, so we, uh, we, we've, we've, we've been keeping busy, and I hope that you've been taking advantage of all these different activities and programs for your kids, for yourselves, and that, uh, that you participate and also take time to sponsor, and I thank those who have done so already for the many events that we've had. We're going to be in the book of Mark this morning, we're going to continue our study, this is a passage we'll read in the first 11 verses of Mark. It's a passage that, or it's a story in the Bible that, that uh, Brother Evan preached on just a few weeks ago. And he preached out of the, the, John, the Gospel of John in that version of this story. This is where we'll be going chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the book of Mark. We'll be in chapter 14. And Mark records the life of Jesus a little differently than the other, other Gospels. Each gospel has its different emphases, it has its different, uh, the different language, the way it speaks. And you'll see Mark chooses to portray Jesus as a servant. And you'll see many times it goes action to action, place to place. He's continuing to move. He's not, it doesn't seem like he's still for very long, whereas Matthew might, might, uh, might record a long sermon or John might record a long discourse Mark seems to go passage to passage, place to place, event to event. And you'll see this if you read, you'll see many times he goes, and this happened, then this happened, and immediately they went there, and immediately he did this, and it just seems like it's just continuing to move along. And that's, that's the interesting part about, about um, Mark, is that Jesus is constantly doing the action. Up until around this passage where we are in Mark chapter 14, this begins the, the end of Christ's ministry on earth. His last week before he went to the cross. And he goes from being the one doing the action. He goes from being the one calling the disciples, healing the leper, you know, casting out demons, to all of a sudden things are happening to him. You'll see in just a moment we see how Mary comes and anoints him and washes his feet. We'll see in a few minutes the, the Sanhedrin tries him. Judas betrays him. The Romans kill him. And this is where a, a very uh, interesting portion of the life of Jesus here in his last week on earth. So if you, would, if you would please stand with me as we read the first 11 verses of Mark chapter 14. I will read the odd verses if you could read along with me the even verses. Let's keep in mind this is, this is Christ's last week on earth here in chapter 14 says this, I'll read the odd, you read along with me the even verses. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of the unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, let there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, he sat at meat. And there came a woman, having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious, and she, and she brake the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? 
For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence, and may have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, whether, wheresoever the gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of a memorial of her. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests to betray unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I pray you please bless us now as we study your word and we study this passage of scripture. I pray you please all help us all to have our hearts and minds open to hear what you have to say, not what I have to say, but listen to their Holy Spirit on, uh, impressions on their heart and the different things we are to learn from this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. So we have Jesus here in his final week, and it's an interesting way that Mark that Mark describes this specific story. Like I said, this, this account is, is also mentioned in the book of John and also in the book of Matthew. But we see here how, how Mark portrays the beauty and the, the beautiful faith of Mary in her outpouring of worship toward the Lord Jesus right in between two very bad events. You see here, he mentions how the, the, the scribes and the chief priests were plotting to kill him. And then it tells this amazing story of, of Mary and her faith. And right back into how Judas was going to betray him. And, and it's interesting to see here the contrast that Mark draws between the differing opinions of Christ. And the different ways that these people viewed Christ. And they put these stories side by side. That's what we're going to look at this morning. There's three things. We're going to look at Mary's action, her critics' reaction, and then Jesus' response. That's what we're going to look at. Those three things, the three simple events that happen in these couple verses. And I want to look at what maybe we can glean from this passage. Why this story is included in the Word of God. Is this for our good and what we can learn from it? So let's look at these three events. The first one is Mary's action. Mary's action. You know, Mary, if many of you who know, we know this is Mary. It doesn't, the book of Mark doesn't name her specifically, but later in the book of John, it does name her as Mary, the sister of Martha and, and uh, Lazarus. She was a friend of Jesus, a family friend of him, probably growing up. She was also a direct beneficiary of one of his greatest miracles, resurrecting Lazarus from the dead. So they had known each other. They were, they were friends of sorts. And this is... This is a, uh, a meal that Jesus is having with his disciples in the house of Simon, a leper. Probably another beneficiary of Christ's miracles. Probably someone that he, he had healed. And now they were having a meal in his home along with Mary and uh, Martha and Lazarus. And we have here that uh, in the middle of the meal, Mary comes in with a very expensive ointment. And she breaks the box and pours it on Jesus' head and on his feet. And begins to wash his feet with her hair. An act that was not customary. It wasn't, that wasn't tradition to do. This is a very unique thing. A very out of the ordinary thing. 
that she does. And you can imagine, if, if you can just try to get this picture in your head, you have back in, if, if you try to think of Jesus having a meal, you probably think of the picture of the Last Supper, where you have, you know, Jesus and his 12 disciples all sitting in chairs at a big old table, all facing the same direction. That's probably not how it was. They were probably all reclined around a large area on the floor where a small table and their head would be near the meal table and they would be, their feet would be out away from the table and they would be gathered around this way. And it was tradition or it was customary at this time for the men to eat together and the women would, would serve. So Mary really didn't even have a place there. She wasn't supposed to even be in the room. The Bible later says that Martha was the one that was serving and Mary just kind of comes in on her own volition, kind of bursts in the room, it kind of paints the picture that she does. And that's, that's what we're going to look at here, how she comes in boldly, breaks that bottle, pours it on his head, washes his feet out of an act of worship. And that's the first thing I want to look at. It was a bold action. Mary had some boldness to her. She was unashamed of her love and her adoration and her gratitude of Christ. And it wasn't going, and that translated directly to her actions. Like I, like I said, she, pro, she didn't belong there in the, uh, in the room. She, whenever she walked in, it probably turned some heads. Like, why is Mary here? She's not the one serving us. Why is she even here during this time? But she made her worship of Christ, her worship of Jesus, public. In the midst of her friends, in the midst of her family, in the midst of her disciples, she she was unashamed. She didn't care who was watching. She didn't care about, about what maybe people may, ha, may have said to order or maybe the consequences of her action. She was there out of a heart of faith to express her worship towards Jesus. And it makes me think sometimes, why does my own personal self-image, my personal pride, my, my worry about what other people say of me, think of me, why does it oftentimes hinder my response to the leading of the Holy Spirit in my heart? But when Mary saw Jesus for who he was, and she boldly went to worship him. She, she said, I don't care what other people think, and she went unashamed to him and to express this. And I think, why, why if Mary can be so bold, do I often, oftentimes have a timidity to worship Christ or to, to act out of faith and love for him? You know, so many times in my own heart, I, I, I have to calculate the consequences of obedience. So if I do that, I might be embarrassed. I might, I might put myself out there and I, I might be left hanging. I might, you know, there's so many things that go through our minds before we make a decision, an action for Christ. But Mary, she didn't have those reservations. She was bold and she was unashamed. Jesus, Christ's person, calls for worship and Mary answered with her all. She gave everything and she was bold about it. So we see first Mary's action was a bold action. And next we see it was a sacrificial action. It was a sacrificial action. It's something that cost Mary something. You know, if you remember, uh, I think it was about three weeks ago, Brother Evan preached on John's version of the story and how he said that the, uh, the monetary value of this box, this little ointment, was about one year's labor. So you put that into our... Our, uh, our society today, our economy, it's about $52,000 worth of ointment. It's an extremely expensive substance. Something that, that was probably the, the pride and joy of the family. They had this ready. It was often used to embalm bodies. 
And it was something that was worked for for years and years and protected with, with all that they could. It was something that after years of labor to save up for was wasted or was used up in minutes, in seconds probably. All that work to, to, to save up for this ointment. and Something that she had probably been saving for maybe her mother or her father's death or maybe her spouse's death. Something that was extremely expensive and used ceremonially in that kind of way. She used it in an instant on something on, on her Savior. And why would she do this? Why, what, what, is this what does this tell us about Mary? It kind of gives us a glimpse into her heart about how grateful she was for her Messiah. How, how her insight of who he actually was. And to Mary, no cost was too high. You can imagine, you can kind of imagine what it would, would be like to, to, to owe someone such a great debt of gratitude. To have, to have that idea of there's nothing that I have that can't be given for you. Uh, Stephen just mentioned earlier how you, know, you have great love for your family and for your friends. And, and when you love someone... Going out of your comfort zone, doing something sacrificial is no problem. And that's what we see Mary had to the extreme. Nothing was too valuable for Christ. Anything that he asked, she would give. And she would give it, she would, uh, she would give it open-handedly. You see how you can imagine Mary going, Jesus is here. How can I express my worship? I'm going to find the most expensive thing I have, and I'm going to use it on him. I'm going to really go out of my way to express what he is worth to me. And that is, that is Mary's decision here, that her action was bold and it was sacrificial. It costed her something. When was the last time that I did something for the cause of Christ, that I did something outside of my comfort zone that cost me something, that was sacrificial in nature, that wasn't given out of my abundance, oh, I have some extra cash this year, I'm going to help a teenager go. I have some, you know, I have a little extra time. I guess I'll go and I'll spend some time soul winning. When's the last time we spent our time, our money, our talents, our resources in a sacrificial, a sacrificial manner as Mary did here? That shows you a glimpse of her heart and what she sees and what she believes about Christ. That he was worth it all. He was worth putting it all on the line for. He was worth it, he was worth it all. And that's, that's something that Mary did. She had a bold action. She had a sacrificial action. And the next we see that she had, her, act, her action was permanent. It was a permanent action. And uh, it's, it's, it's worth looking at how Mark, uh, he describes the event. He says in verse number three, he says, having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, she broke the box and poured it on his head. It didn't say she opened the bottle or she cracked open the box. So she broke the box. It's, it's worth noticing the reckless abandon at which, at which Mary presented this gift to Jesus. How it wasn't, if that was you or me, we would probably be like, I'll, I'll unscrew the top of the box, pour a little on Jesus' head, screw it back in, put it in my pocket, save it for a rainy day, and then, you know, show Jesus some gratitude. She was, she was all in. She broke the box so that it would never be sealed again. It would never be used for anyone else again. This was entirely for Christ. It was entirely for him. And that's a lot of times how, how me, I feel like I said, I might, I might, before I go in the room, I might pour it into a different jar and then go in there and pour it on Jesus. Or I might, I might have something left in the reserve in that way. But that was not Mary's decision. That was not the, 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 the 
response that came from knowing Jesus. And we see that her action was permanent. When she broke that box, there was no turning back. She couldn't change her mind and scoop back up and walk out of the room if the disciples gave her a dirty look. She was all in. She had a reckless abandon about her. She was going into the deep end and she didn't care what was happening. It was all for Christ. And I think sometimes my own decisions and a lot of things that I do for Christ, they're, they're, they can be conditional. You know, I'll go to church as long as, you know, pastor's preaching. I'll go to, uh, you know, that's, that's for you guys. You guys are preaching to the choir here because you guys are here this morning. But I'll go to church as long as it's fun and it's exciting. You know, I'll, uh, I'll go to the event if my friend goes. I'll, you know, I'll give as long as I get recognized. I'll help as long as, you know, people, people give me some credit. These are, these are the ways that I feel in my own heart when I have that conditional nature. It's not a permanent action. I'm doing this as long as something happens. And if not, I'll pray as long as God answers my prayers the way I want him to pray. I want my prayers answered. These are, these are the conditional ways that I live out my Christianity that Mary did not see it that way. She was all in. She had no reserves. She was not looking to change her mind. She saw the greatest thing that she could give, and she spent it on him wholly. And we see the glimpse of Mary, a glimpse of Mary's, the way she saw Jesus, and the way she loved him and worshipped him and had such gratitude toward him. And it convicts my heart about how oftentimes I, my actions aren't bold for my Savior who loves me. My actions, they're not permanent. I, I tend to flip-flop and go back and forth and change my mind. You know, my actions, they're not sacrificial. They're, they're oftentimes just in my comfort zone is, what I, is as far as I'll go. Now, this, is, this is a way that Mary's action can speak to us. So we see first here, this first couple of verses, we see Mary's action. Her direct action of going and expressing this worship to Jesus. And next we see is, is that her critic's reaction. To every action, there's a reaction. And that's what we see here. And uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of John. We're going we're gonna to reference the book of John. It gives us a little more insight to what, how things happened. And the book of John in chapter 12 is where we'll be. John chapter 12 in verse 4 through 6. This specifically names one of the disciples who spoke up against Mary and said, Why is she doing this? John chapter 12 verses 4 through 6. It says this. Then saith one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? John, then John records this. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. We see here that it was Judas was one of those men who spoke out, who murmured amongst themselves and said, can you believe this woman wasting all this Precious resource on, on Jesus. How can she do this? We could have sold this and we could have, imagine what you could do for the poor with $52,000. You could help a lot of people, right? And this was, this was Judas's reaction. And you can think, you know, it's easy for you and me to empathize and be like, yeah, why didn't she do that? That seems like a reasonable response. A response. That seems like a, a normal thing to, to object to. But it, what it shows here at its core is it shows a, it was a prideful reaction, a prideful reaction. You see, John tells us exactly why Judas said that. It wasn't because he had such a concern for the poor. It's because he was a greedy thief, and he was stealing some of the money. He was the one who handled 
the purse who, who took care of the money for Jesus and the disciples and he was lining his own pockets. We see it wasn't because he just loved the poor so much and he's just always doing everything he can for the poor. That wasn't what Judas was known for. You know, he sought to line his own pockets and, that, and we also see that he sought status. See, it was, this was the common pious religious uh, response. Oh, I, I always feed the poor. I always clothe the poor. This is my duty as a religious person to help the poor. And Judas and those who murmured with him at this moment, their minds were not on the poor. Their minds were on themselves. And they were saying, how can I elevate myself in this area? By pushing Mary down. By saying, how could she do that? She is foolish. She doesn't care for the poor like I do. She's not as smart as I am. She doesn't, you know, all these, she's not as religious as I am. These are the ways that Judas expressed his pride in this moment. We see he was virtue signaling saying, if she was actually religious, she would have done this like I would have done. This was, this was Judas's and, and, and those who murmured with him. This was their reaction. Out of greed and out of pride, they, with a supposed well-meaning remark, they push down Mary. They diminish her decision. They diminish her bold, sacrificial, permanent action in order to, to promote and boost their own ego. You know, and this is something that, again, that I find myself doing oftentimes, if not publicly in my heart, saying, yeah, they're doing that, but they're probably doing it for another reason. Or they're not doing that the way I would do, so that's, they're foolish. Or, you know, they're, whatever, whatever ways I try to justify and, and promote myself in my own mind or in the presence of others, I have the spirit, I have the heart of Judas and not of Mary. It's, we see here was a prideful reaction. This was his attempt to diminish Mary and to promote himself. And next we see it was a telling reaction. This told a lot about the heart of Judas. Told a lot about the others in the room who were there eating with Jesus. What did they actually think of Jesus? This tells us. He says the reason, the reason why we, we, you know, we, may, we may think, oh, that's a valid excuse. The reason why it's not valid is because whenever, uh, whenever she, or sorry, Judas' outcry to the pouring of this expensive ointment on Jesus' head and on his feet and how he was washed with her hair, all these things, they exposed a sentiment in Judas' heart that said, he is not worth that. Jesus is not worth all that money. He's not worth all this expense. This is just Jesus. You, you don't need to do this for Jesus. Go sell that and do something else. Jesus doesn't need this. Jesus doesn't deserve this. And that's the sentiment that Judas has in, her heart, in his heart. It exposes, it's a telling reaction. It exposes his heart and his opinion of Jesus. Mary is saying, he's worth my everything. Judas is saying, he's worth some, but he's not worth that. That's, that's, the, that's the contrast that we have here in looking at the, the heart of Mary and the heart of Judas. And we find out in just a few chapters later what Jesus is actually worth to Judas. 30 pieces of silver, that's the, that's the cost that he betrays Christ at. That's the cost of a slave at that time. That's how much... Judas considered Jesus to be worth. And this is, this, is, this is extremely convicting to me to see how, how much is Jesus worth in my own life. Because to the world, Jesus is worth very little. To many people who have accepted Christ, 
they they want to they want to take what he can give them and that that be the end of it and Jesus thanks for my salvation but you're not really worth following you're not really worth obeying you're not worth spending part of my day with and this has been our sentiment throughout many of us throughout our lives is this struggle of man understanding what Jesus is worth and what he is worth to me you know if you're going to be popular in this world you you can you can follow Jesus but don't be like Mary she's crazy she she loves Jesus way too much that's, that's what Judas was saying. He's saying, you know, I want to follow Jesus from the distance. I want to be his disciple. I want to gain notoriety from, from being around him. I'm one of the 12. I handle the purse. I'm lining my own pockets with, with the funds from his ministry. He said, that, that's, that's where I'm comfortable. I don't want to be out there expressing my worship, embarrassing myself in my worship of Christ, in my, my actions of faith. And that's, that's you and me oftentimes. Is we, the reason why we don't, act out in faith is because we don't see the true worth of Christ. We are like Judas. He was a fair-weather disciple. He was there as long as it helped him because Jesus wasn't worth following to that extent. He wasn't worth that much. He wasn't worth that kind of worship. He wasn't worth going that far out of my comfort zone. That's the, uh, that's the sentiment of Judas here. While Mary was bold, sacrificial, Judas was a coward. Judas was a thief. He was selfish. You know, his reaction was prideful, and their reaction was very telling. It was exposing. And that's, let's, we'll close with this. We see Mary's action, then we see her critic's reaction, and lastly, we see the response of Jesus. Jesus' response to what just happened. All this is happening to him, happening around him, and Jesus has not yet spoken until this verse in verse 6. And it says this, and Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For the poor ye have with you always, and whensoever ye will may, or whensoever ye may, do them good. But ye, sorry, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever the gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of a memorial for her. You know, we see in all, all these events that are happening around this table, Jesus immediately steps up in defense of Mary and shuts up her, her, uh, her critics and says, leave her alone. She is doing good to me. And it highlights, this is, this is something that I want to highlight too, is what Jesus' Jesus's initial response is that he reminds them of the limited time. He reminds them that he's not going to be with them forever. He says, the poor you have with you always. And that's, that's true. There's never going to be an end to poverty as long as until Jesus comes. And Jesus is saying, you can go help the poor tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that and the year after that and the century after that. He said, but me, I'm not, not going to be here with you always. And he highlights Mary's urgency to act. That she isn't going to wait until, until it was too late. She was going to act in the moment. She had an urgency about her. This was her opportunity with Jesus, and she was going to act in faith. And this, this highlights to me, you know, how we, have, we should have an urgency about how we serve him. Maybe, we, maybe our time with Jesus is not limited. We as Christians, we get to enjoy uh, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and we get to speak to Christ, and we get to read of his life. And when one of these days we'll be raptured or in death, we'll go and see him and we'll spend eternity with him. So our time with him is not necessarily limited. 
But our time on this earth to serve him out of love and out of faith is limited. You and I, we, we only have a few years on this earth at which we get to express our love, express our worship, express our faith in him, our gratitude toward him. And, urgent, and uh, Mary had an urgency about her that, that it convicted her and that got her to move while she had the time. And am, am I doing that? Or are we doing that? Are we spending our time, our talents, our abilities with, amount, with any amount of urgency to saying, no, I am here on this earth not to find pleasure, not to have fun, not to, to be famous. My goal here is to serve Christ, to, to, to please him. And this is, this is what the disciples were very short-sighted in. They didn't see Christ as, as, the, as one who was going to go to the grave. Like Mary here, Jesus implies Mary understood. Jesus had said many times that he was not here to, to, to necessarily overthrow the Romans like, like, the, like the disciples thought he was going to do. He said, but Mary understood this. And he understood that his time was short on earth. And the cross was not many hours away. And she understand that his time was limited. Next we see that Jesus highlights her faith. He applauds her faith. In, in verse 8 he says, She hath done what she could. In verse 6 says, she hath, she, hath, she hath brought a good work on me. And one day you and I will stand before Christ as Christians and we will give an answer for how we used the blessings, the gifts, the time that we were given. And it is my prayer and it should be your prayer that God would say of you what he said of Mary here. And he says in verse 8, she hath done what she could. So she did everything she could. She, she was given this and she was a good steward of that and she gave back in the act of faith and of, and of love and of worship. Is that something that, that, that the Lord will say of us one day? He hath done what he could. He did all that he could. He, I gave him, and he, I gave him talents. I gave him abilities, and he used those talents and he used those abilities. He used that time for my sake, for my purpose, to please me. He hath done what he could. That's what I want the Lord to say of me. What the Lord said here of Mary: She hath done what all that she could. So we see here that he reminds that the time is short. He applauds her faith, and lastly, he shows that actions done in faith are not in vain. And he says here in verse number 9, he says, This story of Mary will be, will be told throughout the millennia. He said, just anywhere the gospel is preached, you'll hear the story of this woman. Of this, this sacrificial act, this bold act, and how her faith was rewarded. And this wasn't her only reward, and this isn't the, the motivation for Mary's action. But this was a, a, a reward that Christ is saying, anything done for me will not go unnoticed. Things done for me and out of love and out of faith and in, in, in this way and of worship toward me does not go unnoticed. It will be rewarded. Turn your Bibles one more time with me to Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 11. Very famous uh, passage in the scripture. Hebrews chapter 11. It's toward the end of your Bible. Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to read verse 6 together. Hebrews Chapter 11 and verse 6. This is something that Christ emphasizes. He said, this action of Mary's, it will have rewards. It will be rewarded and it is not in vain. Hebrews chapter 11. Read with me verse 6. Ready? Begin. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is 
and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Christ, God, is a rewarder of those who seek him. He is a rewarder of them who act in faith toward him. And so with, with those three things that happen, you see Mary's action, her critic's reaction, and Christ's response to the situation. You know, what, what in here is for you and for me that we need to apply to our lives today, to our week this week? You know, have I chosen disobedience purely out of doubt that it will be rewarded? Do I weigh the consequences? Am I calculated about how far I'll go to serve Jesus as long as it's the, the, the reward is visible, as long as it's a tangible thing? Is that the way I see uh, serving Christ? Do I waste precious time? Do I not understand the urgency that I've been given a gift in life and it is to be used toward him, for him? Do I value Christ as my everything? Do I give him my all? Do I have some left in the tank? Do I still have some left in the reserves? Do I tear down others in a, in, a, in a response to boost my own ego, to boost my own pride like Judas did? And do I act boldly and sacrificially? Not turning back, but making decisions that I am committed to. Making decisions for Christ that are permanent, that will, be, that will last and that I, I can stick to. These, is, this, is this my heart? Do I have the heart of Mary? Or do I have the heart of Judas? Am I selfish? Am I a thief? Am I, am I following Christ from a comfortable distance? Am I like Mary who's willing to give it all?